Hello and welcome to Geeks with Shields, your home for all things good and nerdy in this The Darkest Timeline. I'm Lord Commander Ulrich, and with me as always is... His shield brother, Axel Wright. How's it going today, man? Uh, it's alright. I, I got to sleep a lot last night, which is nice because the previous couple, like, three days or so, I got very little sleep just because of stuff that was going on. Yesterday started off bad, but then turned really good. And now today I'm just having a relaxing day before this week where I got to do a bunch of stuff getting ready for my new job. Because, yeah, I got a job finally. <laughs> for long-term listeners, that is a big deal. I'm Axel's super going excited. back to building killer robots. And it ain't, it's not just a job either. It's the one, like, I wanted. That, like, when I look back at all the things I've applied to over the last, you know, some months, it was, like, top three of the ones that I wanted the most, you know? Found is Cinderella. I don't know about that. Okay, sure. <laughs> All right, we got a lot to talk about, but before we get there, we're going to start the episode the same way we do episode every episode, by thanking the people that make this possible. Those are our wonderful, wonderful patrons, and they are Pam Galley, Marky, Orion McCann, Chris Chipman, River Galley, Krug, and Elmquest, Reedy, and Stephanie, Stephen, sorry, Stephen, R. Martinez. Dyslexia is a bitch, kids. Now, if you'd like to become a patron, just head on over to patreon.com forward slash geeks with shields. Every dollar helps with the production of this podcast. And as you know, podcasts aren't cheap. Anyway, so we're here to do the, the Comic-Con thing because everyone in their affiliates online right now are going to talk about that. Of course, it's the thing to talk about. I mean, it's freaking Comic-Con. So, you know, we're getting on that action, I suppose. I didn't really have time to keep up with it too much the last couple of days. So Oric was like, here are the, some important things that happened. I was like, all right, I'll go, uh, uh, I'll get some info on it. <laughs> and now here we are. It was a crazy weekend and we've broken this down into two parts. We've got the everything else and the Marvel section. I think we'll go to the Marvel section second because there's a lot there. And I'm sure that's what most of you are here for. But there was a lot of good stuff in Comic-Con you know, the days leading up to, like the It trailer. Uh, Axel, I know I you are a much bigger fan of It than I was, so I want to hear what you thought of this trailer. Oh, well, first of all, I wasn't even planning to watch the trailer until you were like, I want to talk about it because I'm going to see the movie. I don't at all need another trailer. I was already going to go see it. So I'm going to blame you already for, like, if, if something is spoiled or whatever. But to be fair, uh, the trailer's not bad in that way. Like, it's good. It's a fine trailer. It just doesn't tell me or show me anything that I wasn't already aware of. So I was like, all right, cool. Yeah, that was kind of my takeaway. It's like, oh, yeah, this looks interesting. I'm probably going to see this. And this didn't really move the needle one way or the other. I mean, what is there? They've got a great cast. Scarsguard still looks creepy. It's going to be a good movie. <laughs> The visuals in the trailer look just as trippy as they were before. And yeah, it was my favorite movie of the year it came out. So it's like, this isn't me being flippant. This is me being, I was already going to go see chapter two before any trailer dropped. So I saw the first trailer and was like, all right, cool. That just gives me a little bit of hype. And I didn't need anything more. So this is just, all right. Yeah, cool. <laughs> Don't drop anymore. Just give me the movie. Yeah. All right. Now let's talk about one that was a bit of a surprise, at least for me. And that was the Jay and Silent Bob reboot. You know, I watched uh, Chris Chipman for anyone who um, doesn't watch his stuff, but you've like listened to us, which first of all, you should watch his stuff. He has a thing he does, uh, Chipman in the third person, where like on his drive to work, he just does a, a vlog essentially. And in, I, I watch a lot of them. Uh, and one of his vlogs recently, he talked about the, uh, this Jan Stop Bob reboot. And he mentioned like getting both of us more excited for it, which I thought was hilarious because uh, I'm glad that uh, I know Facebook that you were more excited for it than you thought. But I was like, you know, I've been a fan of Jan Stop Bob since I was like 13 or something like that. So I was like, okay, come on. This is much too often. I apologize. But point and I was hyped. I, I think a little too much, which is you know not the worst thing a trailer's capable of. Looking at you, all Terminator trailers. But it, it was funny, it was exciting, and it looks like the actors are having a killer time. Yeah, uh, we talked about this on length on various social medias, at least I did, because before we did the Spielberg Smackdown, I, or not Spielberg Smackdown, Kevin Smith Smackdown, Spielberg was the one that came before that, go watch that one as well. Anyways, uh, I was not 
a Kevin Smith fan. It was not, I didn't really have anything against him, but I hadn't watched a lot of his movies. I didn't really care for a lot of his movies. After it, still don't like the majority of his movies, but I came away going, I want to see every movie this guy does because it's going to be interesting and it's going to be different. And that's a very interesting side effect of doing these director smackdowns. I'll also say there was a lot of jokes in this that just kind of made me laugh my ass off and go, okay, God damn it, I got to see this. I guess surprisingly, I, I, tickets are already selling, uh, selling out. Nice. I did love the, uh, I'm going to need a blood test. Like that made me that laugh a lot more should have. Yeah, I was like, okay. Uh, no, and if you haven't read the article where Kevin Smith talks about the reunion he had with Ben Affleck, that was heartwarming and hilarious in equal measures. Basically, it comes down to a positive thing came out of movie like journalism. Because basically some movie journalist was like, hey, would you be uh, you know, open to doing stuff with Kevin Smith again? Ben Affleck did this kind of like kind of flippant but um, jovial kind of response. So then Kevin Smith reached out to him and they started talking again. And the way Kevin Smith puts it is that this one journalist basically was the reason why he got his friendship back. And I mean, the reason they separated in the first place wasn't like any, if you read uh, up on this, that I hate celebrity gossip, but it wasn't anything like big. It wasn't any, you know, big blowout. It was just that Ben Affleck started getting really big after, uh, was Argo or the town first? I think it was the town. All right. Well, the point is that, that whichever one of those was first came out. And I mean, Ben Affleck was already a movie star, but that came out and he started like really. Well, uh, he had things like Daredevil and Jersey Girl and a couple flops that didn't yeah. work. Point is that happened. And then people kept asking Kevin Smith things and in interviews about him. And Smith is a, a very free form, just says what comes to his mind. Whereas Ben Affleck was becoming the kind of star that has to be really careful about what he says if you know what I mean. So Kevin Smith basically just started saying things that were not helping. <laughs> and so they just kind of distanced because of that. That's really all from what I can tell what happened, right? That's the same story you read. I didn't even get that far. I just got to, you know, the part where Kevin Smith said he kind of, you know, broke down in tears knowing that he was going to get to make movies with his friends again. Yeah. I, I, but the funny thing for me is that that whole Kevin Smith smackdown that we did, which was a great time for me, the main thing that it delivered was it gave me a better appreciation of the Kevin Smith movies. I wasn't already a fan of like clerks Two, which I had written off after seeing it once, like when it came out, but Jan's Bob strike back has been one of my favorite comedies for as long as I've known. And I don't expect Jan's Bob reboot to be transcendent or anything like that. I expect it to be a really good time. And the trailer looks like that. So yeah, that's kind of my takeaway. All right, now onto the weird one. Uh, his dark materials. Did before you, this before you say any, hold on, before you say anything, did you read this series? Yeah, I've read all three of the books. Okay, so you are a fan. Then no. no, you don't like them. I think the first two books are really interesting, and the third book goes off into crazy wackadoo land. That I can you explain something to me then? Sure. So for anyone who didn't catch this trailer, because I didn't know anything about it until Ulrich told me to look at it. I haven't read the books, so I didn't even know they existed. And is is the conceit or one of the main conceits that these people in this story have like animal companions that they are connected to spiritually or mentally or something like that? Everyone has yes. one? It's called your demon, and when you're a child, they can shapeshift, but when you're an adult, they take on a solid form that reflects who you are as a person, and the idea is they represent your soul. Okay, that's really the only question I had, because I watched this trailer, and all I could think was, this is a YA ad adaptation, but it's a series instead of a movie. I don't care. Yeah, I mean, a lot of people have been clamoring for this to get a serious, gritty reboot, because a large... The villain of the book series is the Catholic Church and organized religion. It was something about and, the way they kept saying, like, magisterium. Yeah, was like, it's... It was uh, bothering me. And here's the thing. If you're a fan and you've been looking forward to this, I am so happy for you. Like, I am happy you get your adaptation. It seems to be a show. I've read at least one person on our social media say this is going to fill the Game of Thrones void. And if it does, that's great. If it turns out to be great, I will be super happy and I'll give it a shot. I'm just saying that based on this trailer, I was like, not at all interested and, and it just strikes yeah. me as it strikes me as hunger games or that weird movie with the moving cities or maze runner it just feels like all those things and i didn't care about any of those things yeah and that's kind of why i wanted your opinion because i didn't think you had read the books or knew anything about this so i was curious if if you do not know the books does this catch your interest and furthermore <laughs> 
if you have read the books, I have two big questions immediately came to mind going, one, how the hell are they going to do the third book? Because like I said, it goes balls to the wall, crazy insanity that gets kind of hard to follow. And two, this doesn't feel like it's going to slot into HBO's wheelhouse because there's... I mean, it does deal with some heavy topics, but there's not a lot of violence. There's not a lot of nudity. There's definitely no sex because most of the characters are minors. So not sure why HBO picked this up. What I will say in positive, because I feel like I'm being overly negative and anyone who likes this is probably going to jump on me. And it's like, I'm totally open to being wrong. I, I hope every movie, every show is good. I only want good things to exist really even things that i'm not personally invested in because it might get me invested in it if this is good i will go and read the books just like that's how this th i didn't read game of thrones until after i watched the show and i am glad i did i like the show a little more than the books to be honest we talked about this we had a whole episode on it but not the point the point is that it's a it's an entry point right so i want his dark materials to be good even though i personally don't care about it right now now one positive thing i will say though daphne Keene. I am invested in that actress's career just because of Logan. Like, I want her to be amazing. And unfortunately, right now in this trailer, she does not look like she's bringing the same caliber of acting. So I got to see more to see. But I, I really hope, if anything, just for her sake, it's good. Because I want her to be a damn movie star, you know? I think it'll come through. And I think this is going to be a good show. I just don't know who the audience is outside of people that read the books and are like, oh, I like the books. I think I'll read this. I'll watch this. Because to be you honest, know, that'll be me. I think that's fine, actually. Sorry to interrupt you, but I recently had this thought. I've been watching One Piece with my lady, um, with Scarlet, and I was a One Piece fan since high school. She's only just now gotten into it. We're in like episode 400 and something over the last couple months. So we've been making good a good pace but a lot of the intros like when i say intros i mean the they play music and it's an opening it lasts about a minute and a half and it shows you you know like interesting visuals but a lot of them will show tons of spoilers for things that are going to happen in that season and that really bothers me from a hey scarlet hasn't seen this and i don't want to spoil things for her so i started thinking i feel like the reason they do that kind of thing is because they're treating it not as its own you know, material, but as, hey, this is the animation adaptation of the manga that we know you have read. And so we're just you know, selling to you, essentially. And that's how we're thinking about it, is get excited about these things that you read about and seeing them in animated form. And I don't know if that philosophy is a good one or a bad one. It's just an interesting one that I realized I think is what's going on there. And so when something like this, with His Darkest Materials, right, if you do the same kind of thing, and I don't know because none of the imagery in the trailer meant anything to me, but if you're like a fan of the books, then that could easily have been the same thing where it's like, hey, we're spoiling all these things, but really it's just because we want you to see, hey, this is going to be in it. This is going to be in it. You know what I mean? Oh, that's exactly what it feels like because I'm sitting there. I've reread the books recently, and I'm like, okay, that looks cool. Oh, that's an interesting choice. Oh, Okay. But I, I'm just sitting here going, I don't know who this is for, if not the core audience. And hopefully the core audience is big enough to carry this. I don't know if I think it's going to be Game of Thrones levels. Just, I don't know. We'll see. The controversy could carry it. All right. So next on the list, because I don't have anything more to say about that. But next on the list is Cats. And here's the thing. Before we get into Cats, I am actually a fan of Broadway musicals. Quite a big one. My favorite Broadway musical, for the record, is Into the Woods, probably followed by Avenue Q and maybe Sweeney Todd, the Demon Barber of Fleet Street afterwards. Two of those have had movie adaptations, both of which I did not like for various reasons. So Cats is one that I've always respected more than I actually liked because Cats was this huge like cultural phenomenon for a while, especially in the you know musical kind of circuit. I saw this trailer, and my first thought was, okay, I kind of see what they're going for by doing a... Because always the percentage was like 80% human, 20% cat, because that's what they could accomplish with stage makeup, right? It seems like they're trying to push that percentage closer to like 60-40 by making their by doing the CG thing. It ends up looking terrible. Like all I can think is I've seen this on, you know, in a play, not only on Broadway, but in my local school that looked way better. You know? Oh yeah, I'm I'm not a fan of cats. I'm not a big Broadway musical guy, but uh, my reaction was frightened fear and confusion 
because what the hell did they do? What were they thinking? How did this get made without someone going, hold on, hold on, hold on. This is so far in the uncanny valley. Maybe we should scale it back and pick a human influence or an animal influence and instead of looking at like some weird combination that certain people are going to love, more power to them, but the majority of us were terrified. Well, it doesn't help that the CG looks shoddy. Like, it looks like cheap CG. It's not having it good... It looks like uh, they cut the actors' faces out and pasted them on models. And it's like, Cats deserves better than that, whether you like it or not. Again, I'm not actually a huge fan, but I respect it. And it, it deserves better treatment than that. So, I don't know. Also, I will say, I've said this now four times. I'm going to say it, run recording. Whoever decided to cast Jason Derulo as the Rum Tum Tugger, easily, in my opinion, the best part of that musical needs to be smacked. Now, again, I'm all open for being proven wrong. Maybe Jason Derulo will be awesome, but up to this point in his career, I hated basically every single piece of music that man has released, and so casting him as the best part of this Broadway musical adaptation is, it just strikes me as a terrible idea. <laughs> I feel like this movie is going to make a ton of money because people are going to go to see just how bad it is, and then it's going to get nominated for a bunch of Oscars, and we're all going to go, wait, really? The movie with the weird... Mm -mm. Yeah, uh, not much we can say on this, namely because it's way outside my area of expertise, and some of those images still give me the heebie-jeebies. And can we? Hey, it's, it's within putting James Gordon and everything. <laughs> it's within my area of expertise. Well, not expertise. I'm no expert. I'm. I'm gonna say I am. I'm an apprentice. We'll say you're. You're below a novice. Even I'm a. I'm an apprentice. I'm so. running away in fear, going. Don't let the cats eat me. Point is that even though it's in my wheelhouse, I still really only have those two things to say is that I should have just used makeup because the makeup, if you look up like the Broadway show, that makeup looks really good, right? Should have just done that. And I, yeah, the Jason Derulo thing. Anyway, let's move on okay. to something that we, is in both of our wheelhouses. Yeah. Uh, HBO's Watchmen trailer came out. I believe I you it. and I, Ulrich, have both gone on record before to say that continuance of Watchmen is inherently a bad idea. Yep, because that's when you start pulling threads you don't need to. Yeah, correct. And again, like I've said many times, I'm open to it being good. I'm not going to initially write something off, because, and you can make good like movie or show out of any concept. But Watchmen shouldn't be continued. And watching this trailer, all I could think is, this looks all right. It just doesn't look like necessary or to the same heights of what Watchmen is, you know? The, the only thing I really liked about it is I, I was thinking, so the whole Rorschach um, cult looks like they might be trying to do some, hey, we're reflecting what's currently going on in the real world uh, through this, which can be a good or bad thing depending on you know what piece you're looking at. If it's topical and also tells something that is like intrinsic to human humanity, it can really work. But otherwise it just feels... Uh, I don't know, like it's trying to latch on to something for artificial inf you know, fame. So it's, it's hard to tell right now. But Yeah, this is the second trailer I've watched, and I still have no idea what the hell this is going to be about. I don't know about you, but there was one scene where, you know, Hooded Justice pops. I'm like, oh, cool, Hooded Justice. I thought you were dead. Yeah, that's cool. I um, mean, this just looks weird and crazy. And unfortunately, follow-ups to Watchmen have historically not done well. That comic series was not well-received. This this is something. It looks well-produced. Also, can I, I say, this is, a, yeah, this is a colossal nitpick on my part and isn't at all indicative of the quality of the thing. This is just me personal. Dr. Manhattan shouldn't be here at all. Dr. Manhattan went off to create life and probably like make his own other universe essentially is what the implication at the end of Watchmen is. What is he doing just on Mars? I know he was on Mars during the event of Watchmen, but that's because he was still kind of struggling with the concept of his humanity versus his godhood. At the end of Watchmen, his dialogue with Ozymandias basically establishes, and then his final dialogue with Silk Spectre basically establishes, I'm done. I'm done with humanity. I'm going to go be a god. Why would he still stick around on Mars, what, 30 years later? No, he'd be his entire concept of time is different. He'd probably be off for centuries or millennia in a completely other reality of his own creation. Sorry, they're kind of worshiping him. Is that like you saw that? Look, like they were worshiping him, or had some cult for him going on. That I buy because there are definitely humans who are going to do that. I'm oh, just saying that part makes himself sense. And maybe around. there's some, but they made up that he's still there to try and preserve the peace that he created. 
I don't know. I don't know what's going on with this series. I would like them to come and up. This is a coherent pitch for what the story is instead of, hey, here's all this weird stuff going on. It doesn't look interesting. Don't you want to watch? And here's right a basic now, all it's question. making me do is I just want to watch Watchmen again. Yeah, but here's a basic question. I tried to really to like look close at the trailer to figure out if they answered this. Which ending do you think they're canonizing? Are they ending with the original graphic novel ending, or are they going with the movie ending to be more like consistent with a viewer with a viewer base? I think it's gotta be the movie ending. I mean, that's what because... I was thinking. Too, if you just if you just shove a bunch of people who haven't read the graphic novel into the world where giant space tentacle monster that isn't real showed up, that's gonna be weird <laughs> you know yeah and i think more people have seen the movie than read the graphic novel and all those people did crying that's going blah, 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 blah. you've watched the movie because you're complaining how the movie's ending is different i don't know what this is going to be much like his dark materials i am interested but i i have so many questions okay this one's all on you because this means nothing to me all right we got a trailer for the steven universe movie and i am pumped like super pumped so it's because Ulrich has no interest in you know watching the series really. Um, for the record, the way for, and spoilers to anyone who hasn't finished the series, the the way the series went is that the the great like the gem government essentially got brought down the Diamond Authority by you know Stephen and his his collective through of course Stephen Universe type things. I won't go into the details of that happened, but it looks like according to the trailer several some span of time probably a couple of years at least has gone by because steven seems to be bigger where he's been working on dismantling this empire or at least the the worst aspects of it over this period of time and now it looks like he's finally ready to like let it kind of continue the dismantle process on its own like it's reached a point of its own motion so he's going to go back to to earth to you know live a semi-normal life and now we're getting invaded by some some new gem creature the that has like some heart shaped gem i mean already i'm i'm a little concerned is not the right word because it's like he already dealt with the diamonds who are like the biggest baddest badasses of gem culture so what is this heart gem lady that looks like xj9 and seems to have the powers of uh, mr fantastic i don't know what she's really doing but she's apparently trying to destroy the earth by sucking all the life from it which is good set of stakes uh, we're getting all of our, our side characters show up in the trailer is good fun. We even get a little snippet of what sounds like a really nice song that uh, I was already enjoying, even the little bit in there. So, yeah, I'm hyped. I think that Rebecca Sugar and the crew still has it. And even though I think that the show ended in a great way that didn't need any continuation, this movie looks like it's going to be a lot of fun, a lot of emotion. And I'm I'm really excited to see it. So. This is one of those things I wish I could get into, but I've made several attempts to get into Steven Universe and just doesn't work for me. But it's well, a what, fascinating thing, concept, idea. There's the word. It's well, what's, what's funny is that the stuff on paper I know is right up your alley, like galactic empire spanning thousands of years, uh, rebellions dealing with what is the importance of life versus you know sucking up planet's resources to make your own life is actually kind of warhammer 40k at that point it's just that the show also intersperses that with a lot of um stuff that goes very against your personal aesthetic like it's yep. hope punk is the term that we, they use now which i don't know if i like that term or not but um it also spends a lot of time dealing with some you know slice of life comp uh character things which some people get really pissed about i actually like it because it makes the show feel like a more lived in naturalistic kind of world that kind of balances the crazy space opera stuff going on but that's my point, as I always said, is like, I know that space opera stuff is actually pretty up your alley, but the show itself doesn't have an aesthetic that allows you to get into it, and I accept that. I'm just waiting on the novelization. So, all right. There's comics. <laughs> eh, one more. One of the books. On to books. Let's talk about that Netflix Witcher trailer. I was hoping we'd have Slagathor here because she loves the games and she had thoughts that I feel many people uh, share. Really, we should get Wretched Giraffe on here because he's a giant fan of all things witcher so he's read the uh, books he, as well yes he okay, loves he know he not only read the books and plays the games he he takes part in like D, &D role 
tabletop games involving the Witcher. He is super big on Witcher lore and everything to do with the Witcher. Well, when the show comes out, we may have to do an episode because I've read the books. I loved the books and I'm watching this going, oh, cool. This is based on the books. And Stegathor is going, this is nothing like the games. What the hell's going on here? Yeah, I would say a lot of people react in that exact same way, which is what I was afraid of when they said we're basing this on the books, not the games. I would say bring we should bring Wretched on for that one. I'll be have him and um, Slagathor can talk about that then. But here's the thing. I'm not a fan of the fan of the Witcher in general. Uh, Wretched is so into it that he just bought me the Witcher 2. Like I tried to play the Witcher one on my own. I got three or four hours into it and I hated it. It felt like a chore. So I gave up on it. Then Wretched was like, don't bother with one, just play two and three. And so he just bought me two. And I've put like eight hours into two. And I came to a realization that at least in the Witcher two, the game, I hate Geralt. I hate his character. I just don't care about him. I'm not invested in him at all. I think he's kind of a scumbag actually. And because of that, I don't want to play as him. And so I, and then the game itself is dull to me i i don't like the way it plays it's it's super heavy on like inventory stuff or maybe not inventory well, there's stuff, a lot but... to the games that just from a uh guess design point of view you just kind of go did you really need this and then you get to three and they took out a lot of it but there's still a lot of did you really need this yeah, i'm not, not anti-micromanagement i play star trek birth of the federation for crying out loud it all comes into how it play, affects but... your overall gameplay though yeah so my my point is that i I'm not a fan of the... I'm trying because someone bought me the... real Wretched bought me this game. So I'm like, all right, I'm going to play it. And I know that apparently the third game's amazing, but it's hard for me to get invested in playing a game if I'm forced to play a character I don't like. And I don't like Geralt. Now, watching this trailer with um, Henry... What's his name? Cavill. Cavill, thank you. Henry Cavill. First thing I noticed was that his voice sounds extremely familiar. Like what he's doing... specifically his performance i don't know it reminded me of something i like i can't remember what it is though it's like that weird feeling in the back of my skull i thought it looked fine i thought that actually that looked more like a better replacement for game of thrones than like his dark materials yeah. did so no i 100 percent agree and unlike his dark materials witcher kind of slots into that with very very heavy on the political intrigue part like that's one of the problems i had reading the book was keeping track of all these duchies and sub factions and nations going to war with each other and since it's all based in polish they've got the names with like the 12 consonants that get mixed up and fascinating book fascinating universe i think this could be the more likely successor to game of thrones because it has political intrigue fantasy violence and nudity the trailer looks great i think i think it's interesting that Geralt is not in a whole lot of it actually which is is pretty neat read the room i mean there was a and if they're doing the story from the books then no there's a whole bunch of other supporting cast that kind of comes into play and he's maybe one quarter of the whole story because there's a bunch of other people running around that also have stories that are also interesting also here's the thing about henry cavill i want to say i have I have insulted his Superman many times because I think his Superman is bad. I never necessarily thought that was Henry Cable's fault. I I never thought necessarily if he could be a good one or a bad one because I thought that what we saw on screen was so bad. that. But point is, I've seen Henry Cable in other things that he tends to be pretty good in. So I'm hoping, my hope is that this show will be good enough to get me over my my current feelings on The Witcher. And then once I'm like into it, I can go back and play the games proper. No, like it's kind of like the I call it the Star Trek principle because nowadays when I show someone Star Trek, I just like start them off with something like Voyager or uh, Next Generation, and once they're into it, then we can go back and watch the original, which is amazing. But you know, you have to get past an initial barrier and already like it sometimes to to get. You know what I mean? Because oh, like, yeah. yeah. So that's how I feel about The Witcher. Is that I think the trailer looks great. I think the effects and the costuming and the atmosphere looks amazing. I think Henry Cavill himself looks great as uh, as Geralt. And I I know that this lore is really deep and rich because I've got a whole group of friends that are constantly trying to get me into it and have failed. And if this is the thing that gets me into it and they all hate it, I'm going to laugh. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, I'm really curious because I kind of predicted when they said it was based on the book, people are going to get mad because they only know the game. And lo and behold, there was a fair degree of that's not from the game. But I still think most people are cautiously optimistic and more hyped about this than I've seen a lot of people for, you know, Watchmen or His Dark Materials. Yeah. Like I said, I've, I've, 
if anything is going to be the replacement for Game of Thrones right now, I think that The Witcher is the the pony to bet on. You know. All right. So last one in the other category. The next season of Ducktales is bringing back the Disney afternoon in one big universe. All right. Here's the thing. I haven't actually watched Ducktales season one. I watched I'm the first right there with you. I watched the first episode, and that's as far as I've gotten. And I liked it. I really did. So yep. the, the only reason I haven't watched it is because I just haven't got around to it. I got a lot of things I'm watching and playing. There's, yep. Yeah, there's no other reason. So it's not like, uh, oh, I chose not to watch it. No, I just, I just, it, I did drop, it slipped. There's a lot me. of TV on right now, and they haven't gotten to this one yet. I think it's cool they're bringing back Disney Afternoon. I saw the big splash page with all the characters. All I know is I saw Darkwing Duck, and I'm like, yes! Oh, they got the Rescue Rangers in there. They got Goofy. They've got, uh, I think it was the Pelican from Tailspin. They've got, like, everybody's uh, in there. McQuack. Uh, oh, is it Crash McQuack? Oh, man, it's been so long. So Launchpad. Launchpad, sorry. Oh, they got Baloo. They got, like, a bunch of people are in there. It's like, oh, this is cool. I need to hurry oh, up and watch this Oh, you said Tailspin. Show. Oh, my bad. <laughs> Anyway, yeah, I I will eventually watch DuckTales, like, all the way through. You know what's interesting? I was thinking about, I was watching uh, Good Omens, which I don't know if we've put this on record, but I really enjoyed the Good Omens series. Uh, One quite as good as the book, but I really liked it. But I was thinking about David Tennant as an entity, as you do, you know. And I really enjoy David Tennant's performances in general. I think it's hilarious that in 95% of his performances that I've seen, they have him do his British accent. He almost yeah. never gets to do his natural Scottish. For anyone out there who doesn't know, David Tennant is Scottish. Like, straight up, really heavy Scottish. If you hear him in interviews, it's like, it sounds like he's doing an impression, but it's not. That's just his accent. I love it. And, like, DuckTales is basically the only property I've seen him in where he gets to just do his normal way of speaking. He amps it up for Scrooge McDuck, but it's still his regular accent. <laughs> yeah, no, I don't know why they have that weird discrepancy, but they do. So anyway, <laughs> that pretty much concludes the other. Let's talk about the thing everyone's here for, the Marvel panel and the whatnot. Uh, first things first, Endgame is now the highest grossing movie of all time. Who thought it? Okay, there's, there's some caveats there. Don't no, bring first, out the caveats. <laughs> I will always bring out the caveats. Is what I do. Ah. Um, first of all, I thought it was inevitable. It was going to happen. Like, Endgame is more than just a movie. It's like, it's insane. But it needs to, because ex- that list of highest grossing films is really just based on like box offices when really grossing how much money the movie makes also includes things like merchandise, DVD, and video sales, syndication rights. When you include those things, like Lion King is super high up, for instance. Um, and Endgame just hasn't been out long enough to, ha- to really build on those particular principles yet. But because its box office is now the highest, I have no doubt in my head that within the next like 10 or 15 years, like those other numbers are going to go high enough to make Endgame undisputably the highest grossing film. You know what I mean? Yeah. Anyway, that's the only caveats I meant. Is So like if you're going to come out and be like, well, actually, because of Avatar syndication sales. No, I, I know. Okay. Yes. I thought you were going to bring out the pedantic, annoying ones we've all been hearing forever now. Nobody cares. Nobody ever cares. My point is that give it time, like Endgame will get there because it's freaking Endgame. It's more than just a movie. So, all right. So we're just gonna, you know, bounce through this. We got a list. It's kind of out of order. Nothing. It's no, no important thing. So let's start with uh, Thor: Love and Thunder, which I was excited when they announced Thor four, and then I kind of waned a bit. Not me, but uh, I love Taika Waititi and seeing. I, I love Taika the- Waititi too. Didn't love Thor Ragnarok. Yeah, and whereas Thor Ragnarok is my favorite movie in the MCU, period. So, of course, we're going to have different opinions on this. But just, like, watching Taika, uh, Chris Hemsworth, and Tessa Thompson on stage, and I didn't realize Taika was such a charismatic stage presence. Like, oh, yeah. It's really fun to watch him, and I, I love that Chris Hemsworth is got such he's such a funny dude like i haven't seen men in black international yet i want to see it just because like him and tessa thompson have great chemistry and he's funny and uh, what is it someone asked him at the panel where is thor going now and he was like the 7-eleven and you know i giggled so oh no he's got a great sense of timing and i like all that i like the aesthetic of thor ragnarok but just 
it, it theme and joke wise was was not for me. But let's talk about the big things that came out of this. Natalie Portman is back. Not sure how I feel about that because she was never my favorite part of the first two Thor movies. But we'll see. Well, They're considering doing... that Thor Two: The Dark World is my least favorite Marvel movie, and Thor One I like a lot, but mostly has to do with Asgard stuff. I never really disliked Natalie Portman as as Jane Foster. She is fine. She was functional, but she was never like, yeah, why I cared about the movie. So she was one of the least interesting characters in the movie. And I think why I didn't like her is they used her as an excuse to take Thor out of Asgard and bring him back to Earth where it just becomes, ah, oh, this is just boring. Go back to the place with the space Vikings. I always felt like Jane Foster's characterization was a little too one note for me. I expect oh, yeah. more from the character. She's. I, I think that Taika is going to do something interesting with her, especially because they announced that she will be playing Lady Thor, which is another one I went, uh, wasn't a I, fan in the comics, not because the gender swap, but because it wasn't written very well at first. It became better with time. I when it first came out, it was just a... Well, so. It should have Seif, but that's just a personal. Yeah, thing. no, and that was the other thing. I was, I wasn't a fan. Like, oh, you're making Jane Foster thought that. Mm. So I, I, I will say, I will say that this is a great way to take Jane Foster in the MCU in a new direction, which literally answers what I just said were my problems with Jane Foster in the previous movies that she was too, too one note, a little too one dimensional, and. I'm sure that someone could point out like, oh, here are her dimensions. Well, okay, sure. But my feeling was that she was just this very simple character. But making her a new a Thor, giving her access to that kind of thing is a great way to play around with that character. And with Taika Waititi's particular sensibilities, I think that could go in some really fun and interesting directions. So I am pro the attempt. Yeah, I just, I'm not as excited as a lot of people are because I've got a lot of caveats. One thing I am excited about, and we'll see how much they backpedal on this, Valkyrie is going to be openly gay in the movie because they asked Tessa Thompson, what is your first edict as, you know, queen of Asgard? And she said, well, I'm going to go find a queen. It's like, ah, cool. Now let's see if you backpedal from that and play it down like you have every other time you've had a gay character. I have no comment on this other than it's cool. And let's see. Yeah, pretty much. I'm just, I don't know. Marvel has played the, oh, we have a gay character card too many times for me really to buy it that they're actually going to do anything with it this time. All right. I, I have to say that the whole, like, okay, I've got a lot. I don't know how to say this without coming off like an a hole. So I'll just up front say I'm an asshole. Okay. And I'm not trying to be insensitive or anything like that. I'm about to say something insensitive, obviously. So um, I've seen this kind of thing happen a lot. I love when shows that have pre-established pop culture icons will do things like this. One of my favorite examples is Gotham, where you took the penguin uh, and made him just straight. Now, I know that I've read some people who are actually gay say that they have a problem with uh, Robin Taylor's performance being too queer-coded, which I don't have nearly the experience to comment on. I just like the idea of taking a one of the most well-known comic book icons, uh, the villain of the penguin and making him gay was a big deal. Cause when you take like a minor character and try to make them gay, it feels like a token bullshit. Like they did with um, Lafie or Lef whatever the guy's name is Lef Lef the Beast yeah. that no one cared about, but you take a character like the penguin instead. It's like, yeah, there's a large contingent of people who care about a character like the penguin. So I don't know if Valkyrie fits that mold on a, a lot because Valkyrie is, you know, a comic book character with history, but she was also one that is not, super well-known before Tessa Thompson, basically. So it's like, is is doing this tokenism or is doing this like an actual pretty good uh, kind of like step forward? I'd be more, I would be more interested in hearing someone who's actually, you know, gay talk about this, who can have like a, a frame of reference. I don't really have a frame of reference for this. Yeah, and I mean, she was gay in Thor Ragnarok. They shot a scene that confirmed it and then Marvel cut it out and that's what i mean with marvel is always announced oh we're having gay characters and then really underplay it or don't talk about it or ignore it but not going to get into that because long podcast a lot to get through and we are not the right podcast you begin discussing that so let's talk about that black Correct. widow movie that we all i personally didn't think was ever going to see the light of day and here it is and it looks the awesome. only thing the the only thing i have to say about it um it's two, it's two things one Taskmaster saw that coming. If you're going to have a Black Widow villain, Taskmaster is one of the best choices. Plus, I love the idea of seeing him. And two, I love David Arbor. Like, I've been just watching more and more interviews and stuff with the guy, and he's just, 
he seems like such a cool guy. I know that's such a vague statement, but it's like, I didn't see uh, Hellboy, but I want to just because David, I know that like all the reviews were terrible and that's unfortunate. I still want to see it just because I like David Arbor. I like seeing David Arbor in things. So having him be, you know, in this is, is neat. It makes me happy. Yeah, no, I agree. Ironically, I think here's a couple of things. One, when they announced the Black Widow movie, I'm like, okay, this is a perfect opportunity to put in Taskmaster. He fits perfectly. He's a kick-ass villain. I think that works perfectly. Secondly, they need to have her facing off against the other Black Widow, Yelena, who is being played by Florence Puge, I believe is the name, um, called that. And then David Harbour is playing the Red Guardian, the leader of the Winter Guard, which is the other thing I called, and I really, really, really hope that this is an opportunity to bring in the rest of the Winter Guard because that is a kick-ass superhero team, supervillain team, depending on the comic, that I really, really want to see. I also really like that David Arbor has this habit of really like going off uh, when he has a public stage. Uh, I mean, obviously we know it from his, like the Stranger Things award season back in 2016 or something like that. But at this panel, right, um, someone just asked him, are you excited to be part of the MCU? And he just starts like yelling into the microphone. Uh, you, of course I am. The hell I am. Like, I, and just, yeah, that was perfect. Yeah. He's just a fun presence in general. No, I feel like this is going to be a fun movie. It's supposed to take place post civil war, which is how black widows alive. Uh, gonna establish a lot of kind of cool stuff with her universe. Like I said, I'm really hoping we see the winter guard. And I really, 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 really hope they do not waste Taskmaster. He's a really cool villain. And the concept art or the you know images they've released, which not official images, just concept art, looks interesting. But they need to give him the full cape and everything. Otherwise, it just looks weird with the hood. Okay, so remember how just a second ago we had this weird thing with a Thor love and thunder where it's like, I love Ragnarok. I wasn't too big on Ragnarok. So that's why we have these kind of different feelings on the next movie. We've got the reverse coming up with this probably, uh, which with Shang-Chi, the legend of the 10 rings. And what I mean by that is I heard the Mandarin was going to be in this, uh, played by uh, Tony Luang. I can't pronounce his last name. Tony Luang. And not even going to try. <laughs> I am. I'm open to being proved wrong. Sure. But I, I'm, this bothers me. I don't like it. So. This makes me very, very happy. Exactly. That's what I'm talking about. It's like, I I like what they had done already with the Mandarin, and I didn't want them to try to do the the conch accurate version of him because I have a lot of problems with it. So this feels to me like capitulation, I guess, and that that bugs me. I'm the opposite. I thought they took the easy way out with Mandarin on Iron Man three and went the laziest route possible and made him a joke rather than trying to figure out how do you adapt this incredibly problematic character to a 21st century, you know, point of view. The answer, you put him in with a bunch of other stuff that focuses on that Asian comic thing that again, very problematic that should be interesting. I mean, just the fact that they're bringing back the 10 rings and that the Mandarin is going to be in it. What's funny is that the exact wording you just used, I felt like turning him into the joke was the appropriate way to modernize this extremely problematic already joke of a character. So it's just a difference in perspective right there. I don't know. They already established with Iron Man 1 with, you know, making them a modern day terrorist organization based Middle East. It worked. Uh, there's not a lot we know about this. We just know that Tony Luang is going to be the Mandarin, and Simu Liu, who I don't know if I'm mispronouncing that, I'm sorry, playing Shang-Chi. Uh, I actually know who he is because he's on Kim's Convenience, and he's actually really funny on there. That's a show also on Netflix. Someone, yeah, there's also someone named Aquafina that apparently is really well-known and real-liked that I've never heard of that's going to be in Did this movie. Did you watch Crazy Rich Asians? No, I didn't. I know it's very That's well. That's how I know who I she is. As I watched, uh, the wife and I watched Crazy Rich Asians, and I know who she is because of that. She's in a lot of Disney properties this year, which good for her. But we don't. I will, I will about say. I, I will say though that while I have my reservations, and while I think it's irritating to backpedal on uh, what they've done with the Mandarin, um, I do think that if they make Shang Chi in Legend of the Ten Rings. Okay, um, all right, I'm not trying... You know what? Fuck it, I'm just going to say. If they make it like the Black Panther, but like Asian, that's the right way to go, where it's like, all right, get a bunch of actors that aren't... Don't whitewash it, 
go into action. It's an all Asian cast. They've announced that much. Yeah. I, I'm sure that makes me more of an asshole to say that. I don't have a better way of phrasing it. I apologize. Everyone's a, I'm, I'm a, yeah, I'm a fucker anyway. But point is that if you're going to do that, be as genuine as you can get actors and people involved who actually are part of the culture and who know what they're doing and get someone who knows the culture, you know, to, to talk about it. Cause I'm not that person. I am only to tell you if I enjoy the movie and I hope I do. I'm really curious to see how this goes on. Um, next up is the Eternals. We didn't learn anything more about it. We got the cast listing, a whole bunch of famous people. It's, gonna be interesting two names stuck out to me uh angelina jolie and kumail nanjiani for very different reasons angelina jolie because it's like yeah, it's actually surprising that she hasn't been in one of these mcu things yet considering i remember a span of time of like six or seven years where she was the kind of what we now see scarlett johansson as now that i think about yep. it uh so finally getting her in one of these is is neat but Kumail Nanjiani, why is he in everything now? And don't get me wrong, I love Kumail Nanjiani, but I loved him since I had listened to him like on Harmontown just playing D&D. That is a funny man. But I feel like he's getting into – like his career is starting to really skyrocket. I'm just seeing him in everything lately. Yeah, no, I have kind of the same reaction. I don't know – I know nothing about this comic. I know nothing about this movie, but it's got a great cast on paper. Yeah, let's move on, because that's all we got. <laughs> to Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. Actually, I love, I love the title. There, yeah, I do love But do people out there know that Thanos is an Eternal? Like, and that's I the, don't the think time. so. Well, for anyone who doesn't know, there, there are plenty of people on YouTube you can go find explain this. Thanos is basically a mutated Eternal. He's like a mutant for the Eternals. Go look up the history. It's interesting stuff. But that's probably their, their tie into the Eternals. Anyway, Doctor Strange, Multiverse of Madness. Yes. Okay. Now, having Doctor Strange be your movie to actually introduce the multiverse makes a lot more sense than people thought Spider-Man was going to do it, you know? <laughs> yeah, I love that Kevin Feige did confirm, yes, the multiverse is real. I also love that this is kind of, uh, it is, it is, I feel like it's a direct callback to In the Mountains of Madness, the H.P. Lovecraft book that Guillermo del Toro had been trying to get made forever. And Guillermo del Toro was apparently working on a Doctor Strange movie at one point, and I want to live in that universe because now I imagine this is the movie that he was making because it's going to be the first MCU horror movie. Haven't we had MCU horror shows? I haven't kept up with all of them, but I don't think there's them even, to be not that I've watched. I remember seeing a trailer for some mutant adjacent th- i don't remember but anyway point is that uh my main problem with dr strange because i like dr strange one a lot but my main problem with it is that it was too punchy if you got a character called the sorcerer supreme dealing with other wizards and stuff it should be spell casting and mind bending visuals and stuff like that not just martial arts which is what something like a movie like shang chi is for something like daredevil you know that's where that goes so the fact that we know very little about this, but the idea that reference Eldritch Horror dealing with the multiverse, probably going to have crazy mind-bending visuals, and usually in horror, you don't just fist fight the monster because that turns you into an action movie. So hopefully this uh, this is on the right track, is my point. Yeah, there's a couple of things, like especially the multiverse really kind of hints at some interesting things to come. Well, imagine, imagine if... I would not be surprised if this is supposed to be like a scary movie and it's dealing with the multiverse, there being at least one scene with Marvel zombies. Like I would not be surprised at all. A lot of people are kind of pointing towards that movie. Bob himself said that he thinks that this could be a backdoor pilot. I don't want Marvel zombies. Marvel zombies was dumb and zombies are played out. I have said my piece. I will say that zombie superheroes, though, is a different kind of animal. It's like the difference between a seal and an elephant seal, you know? Yeah, I don't know. Maybe a fun little throwaway and that'll be it. But I do not want Marvel zombies. If anything, it no. gets us Headpool, and Headpool is awesome. That's because Deadpool kind of elevates a lot of stuff he's involved, except his fan base. Yeah, I suppose you're right. I will also say, I don't know what was it. Kumail Nanjiani in the Eternals, I think he was talking about how what's interesting about the Marvel Cinematic Universe at this point is that it's in some ways a throwback to old Hollywood in that these movies don't easily slot generally into one genre. They're trying to put a bunch of genres into like it's a romance, it's an action, it's a drama, it's a comedy. 
And you know, sometimes the the scales like tip heavy in one direction or another. Like a good example is Dark World leaned more heavily into essentially melodrama, whereas Ragnarok leaned more heavily into comedy. But generally speaking, they all try to like fit a bunch of things into this one movie, which is closer to old Hollywood like epics, essentially. So I like the exploration of other genres. I hope that this isn't just a you know, like I wouldn't be surprised if you hear things like first MCU horror movie and it turns out no, not really. It's just got some scary bits. It's like Well, it's still gotta fit within the overarching, you know, theme. They let the directors have quite a bit of leeway, but it's gonna be PG thirteen and it's gonna be bloodless. And- not not what I mean. What I mean is that I don't expect the movie to be like Halloween level of constantly tense, but if it's gonna be framed like this, I expect it still to be funny, I expect it still to be probably have some romance, have some action, have, but if you're going to really start putting some horror stuff in there, you know, I expect like at least a good two or three solid scenes of high tension and like actual fright, you know, kind of do some of the stuff like we saw in uh, far from home with Mysterio's visions. Yeah. But just more. amp that up a little bit. Cause that was already pretty unsettling. And I just imagine, you know, if you can play around with Lovecraftian inspired monsters and multiverse, you could get pretty good with a PG 13. Yeah. Anyway, next is a movie uh, and a comic that I never really cared about, but I know a lot of people did. And I think that all we know about it is literally the ca- uh, one cast member, which is they brought Mahashala Ali on and had him put on a hat. Man, said, I am on a recast- hot street. Yeah, if you're going to recast Wesley Snipes, um, Mahashala Ali seems like the proper choice to me because that guy is awesome. He was the best part of uh, Luke Cage until they got rid of him. <laughs> Halfway through in the season suffered. Yeah, no. When I want to go back and I just want to throw myself a little parade. One, I called most of the major beats about the Black Widow movie. And two, if you've been paying attention, I've been saying make a Blade movie for a while, if only to backdoor pilot my boy Moon Knight. And Axel's been telling me I'm crazy. Well, I've been telling you you're crazy for the Moon Knight thing. I don't mind the Blade thing, but to me, it'd be a backdoor a backdoor pilot for uh, Mobius, which we know is already getting made. Although, unfortunately, with Jared Leto and that's another that's, studio. That's the Sony thing. And you think it's kind of ironic that they're doing a vampire hunting movie while Sony's trying to build their Spider-Man-less Spider-Verse? That's why I think it'd be really funny if Blade does backdoor in Mobius, but like an MCU Mobius, <laughs> so it's a different one. <laughs> They've got the lawyers out like, oh, wait, wait, wait. He appeared in four issues of Avengers. Technically, we share rights. Yeah, that'd be pretty great. Uh, so, But anyway, point is, I was never a fan of the Blade movies. I was never a fan of the Blade comic book. But that's because not any other reason that I don't like vampires. I don't like vampire lore generally speaking i've never been a big fan of vampires in popular fiction i grew up being a fan of werewolves and there's that weird like underworld principle in real life where fans of werewolves and fans of vampires have to be enemies for some reason i don't have an explanation for you that's just how it it shook out growing up you know so i just never cared uh but i like mahashal ali like that's a reason for me to be interested because that actor is awesome I'm excited just to see how they're going to bring vampires and that old supernatural element into this universe. And I feel confident now because this is two out of two I have called that Moon Knight is coming. I don't know how. I don't know when. But I now believe that I will see Moon Knight in the next 10 years because that's about how long these things pace out to. I like the idea. I I think Bob talked about it. But of uh, that when they introduce something like this, they do it very hand wavy as in, yeah, that was always there. We just didn't, you know, the movies are very contained things and they just didn't focus on these things. So with vampires, it's like, yeah, the world always had vampires. It's just that none of the movies at this point had anything to say about that. So we didn't show you that. And to me, that's a perfectly acceptable way of dealing with it. No, I can see that again. Moon Knight. All right. Again, a lot to cover. Can't keep talking about one of the greatest superheroes of all time. Falcon winter soldier. The first, uh, Disney Plus streaming service and kind of a I don't know what you think about this but they basically said that the Mar that these Disney Plus series are going to be part of phase four and will directly tie in and be in continuity which I thought was kind of like a backhanded smack to all the stuff that's come before um really that that seems kind of hmm, I don't know actually because <laughs> I Sorry, I, just, I feel like, I don't know if it's a backhanded smack. I feel like that's just a marketing thing. It's like now they've moved. The only reason I feel like at this point, I mean, they always were iffy about connecting with like the Netflix series, 
but I think that's because based on how time scales work, they probably had their idea for like their Disney stream service, like well in advance. And so they were just trying not to make anything too heavily connected, you know, until they could. Oh yeah, I know. But this is basically them saying, yeah, all that Netflix and agents of shield. None of that matters. It never mattered. Well, one of the great things about these kind of things is that really only things only matter as much as you decide they matter. That's why they can, you know, easily retcon certain things and, it's not a big, hell one of the things you're really excited for basically them retconning the mandarin is an example of that where it's like well we had a contingent of fans who weren't happy with that so and eh, we'll just we'll just gloss over it <laughs> all right so let's talk what we know about the falcon winter soldier series that's going to here's what i know here's what i know anthony mackie and sebastian stan have wonderful chemistry and the buddy cop kind of thing going on between them is amazing yeah and uh, we also know that Zemo is going to be the main big bad. If you don't remember him, he was the big bad in Civil War. And he is now Baron Zemo, complete with his purple mask, which I'm calling it now Thunderbolts. Don't know if it's going to be a Disney Plus series. Don't know if it's going to be a movie, but they are setting up Thunderbolts when you look at what we've got going. All right. I mean, to me, none of that is – I mean, my opinion on the Thunderbolts, I never actually uh... – have engaged with the Thunderbolts. I'm aware of their existence through like some periphery things, but I don't really know too much about them. So I can't say all I can say is that I like Sebastian Stan. I like Anthony Mackie and then them on stage together was great. Them and civil war together was great. And I look forward to the show. All right. Next one up, probably the weirdest titled one they've done. And that's including Thor love and thunder one division. Well, I mean, um, that's what the comic was called. So it doesn't make it necessarily a good title. Well, considering that it, they confirmed it takes place after Endgame, so it's going to have Vision in it. It probably that is further evidence that they're probably going to do the hey, Wanda creates her own pocket dimension where Vision is still alive, and it's the 1950s or something like that. So they did say that they will uh, introduce Scarlet Witch as Scarlet Witch, like she's going to get called Scarlet Witch, and that implies that we're really going to finally tap into her comic powers. Yeah, which are extremely vague to begin with. I mean, the best explanation I ever got is that she controls probability, but really that means not a whole lot considering they let her like recreate the entire universe at one point. So, or something yeah. like that. Yeah, uh, the other big revelation is this will tie directly into Doctor Strange 2, so multiverses at play, which we'll talk about what that means at the end of this whole segment. All right. Just, I just got a theory. Uh, Loki. It's going to have Tom Hiddleston. Here's the thing about Loki that I, I love, right? I watched all of these, like, you know, five to ten minute videos of these various Marvel properties, bring up the actors to talk about them. Loki was the only one, the only one that had the entire audience chanting as Tom Hiddleston came out. They're all going, Loki, Loki, Loki. And I adore that now I, i'm of the opinion that loki as a character has gone through some ups and downs but i don't deny his power his cinematic power and tom hiddleston's insanely charismatic performance so the fact that the audience is so hyped for him specifically i think is a you know good indicator of first of all why the show even exists and basically it's called loki so it's going to be the tom hiddleston you know mugs at the camera in the best possible way kind of show and that's really what i want it to be so yeah, uh, all we really know about this one is that this is the alternate universe Loki, not the one that's had all the character growth and sanding of the edges. And it's implied from the title he's going to bounce around and play around these other, you know, alternate universes, almost like they're setting up the importance of multiverses. Yeah, which seems to be the, uh, I don't know what the right word is, but the overriding thematic kind of, pull through or through line. That's what I want through line of the next phases, probably multiple phases. Like if this, if, if phase one through three was the infinity saga, the next phases are probably going to be like the multiverse saga or something like that. A lot of uh, stories to be taken from there. Uh, this is one I was excited about the announcement of the Hawkeye series. And can we all disagree? Jeremy Renner's awesome. Yes. And that's basically the extent of my thoughts on Hawkeye series. I like Jeremy Renner and I'll give it a shot just for him. Yeah, uh, the two big things to take away from this is uh, he said it will kind of shine some light on his time as Ronan, which was when he was the murdering badass in the beginning of Endgame. And it will introduce Kate Bishop, 
who, again, I think we all kind of suspected was coming for a while because they seem to be building towards Young Avengers. But if you don't know, she's the kick-ass lady Hawkeye from the comics. Awesome. All right. Uh, this one was announced a while ago, and I was super excited to get any more information about it, is Marvel's What If. You ever read a What If comic? Uh, only a couple. My Actually, my main experience with What If, can't, my first real experience with What If, and what I still think of when I hear it, comes from the PlayStation 1 Spider-Man game. Did you ever play that? A long time ago. There's a code that you could put in that activates What If mode where things in the game happen differently. And it was one of the most funny and wonderful video game experiences I've had to this day. Like, to give you an example, in the base game, there's a part of the game where you infiltrate this facility where you think that artificial, like, symbiotes are coming from. Or not artificial, but, like, symbiotes are coming from. And you find Black Widow, and she's in, like, a a clear glass like cylinder being kept prisoner. And she's like, Oh, you know, I got knocked out and I woke up here and you need to help me. That's the base game. That same sequence of events happens in the what if, except when you find her, she's go-go dancing. And this game was voice acted. So she literally says, Spider-Man, I woke up here and I can't stop dancing. So, like, that kind of stuff happens over and over again in the game. It's not quite the same thing as What If Comics, where they go down completely different kind of, like, concepts. But that was my first experience with that, the, the idea. And that's still one of my favorites. No, I've read a couple. I got a couple What Ifs in my collection that I really enjoyed. So I was really excited when they announced it. And just to give you an idea, they've announced the first episode will be What If Peggy Carter Got the Super Soldier Serum Instead of Steve Rogers. A uh, big thing is they're going to bring back as much of the original cast to voice their characters as possible. It will have different types of animation, which is always cool. And Jeffrey White Wright from Westworld will be voicing Uatu, the Watcher, which I was super psyched for because he's got a great voice for that. I hope they really get Haley Atwell because Haley Atwell is amazing and it's too bad that Agent Carter went the way it did. Yeah, I'm just, like I said, this, all it is is it asks what if questions in the Marvel Universe I don't see how this can go wrong. Well, especially because even if something is wrong, it was just a what if, so it doesn't actually impact yep. anything. So, All right. And the last big thing was the rattling off of the in-development. In-development is Captain Marvel 2, Black Panther 2, and Fantastic Four. Now, I don't have anything uh, to say. At least I don't have anything to say about Captain Marvel 2 or Black Panther 2 because, of course, those were going to happen. Yeah, those right? have been announced a while back. This is just going, we're still working on these. Don't worry. But it was a confirmation of, hey, now that we got the rights to Fantastic Four back, like less than a month ago, uh, we're going to tell you that, yes, we are indeed, we do have plans for, to do something with Fantastic Four. So, And uh, we know that David Arbor is involved with it, apparently. <laughs> yeah, I'm curious how they're going to tie those two together. Well, he could end up... Because it's you know MCU, he couldn't just playing the same character and having some sort of involvement in it. Since so he's literally not allowed to say anything about it. So, but point Maybe. is, Fantastic Four. I I really hope because this this series they have tried now twice and failed twice, three times if you count the the first as two different movies uh, to make Fantastic Four work in cinema. And I still believe that the way you do it properly is to make them actually be from like the fifties and sixties. Just, just do that. And the rest do of the, the story will pitch. Yeah. The rest of the story will follow. If you make their characters actually from that time period, that, that creates like a whole bunch of things you can do with it, but it's the first easiest way to handle it. Also don't do Dr. Doom. Not at first. You bring him Ooh, in. Like, you wait on Dr. Like we've been saying uh, movie. Bob has a great, trilogy kind of beat out and rough ideas go watch that he has the way to do it now circling back to what i said about multiverses and multiverses being important the last thing kind of kevin feige said in this more developing he also said we're trying to figure out how to bring mutants into the mcu and i think they're just going to have them fall out of a hole in the universe and go oh hey we're mutants we're here now okay cool let's do this i think if you do if you do do it then the easier way to do it is like I mentioned with the vampire thing. Just yeah, they were there. We just weren't didn't mention that it. That might be too much hand waving. That didn't bother me because that's just how those kind of things. Because each of the Marvel movies is very, very focused. 
you know, on what's happening is usually like one inciting incident, one thing to deal with. And that's just how they follow. So they're pretty, con- with the exception of like infinity war, but infinity war is more like a series of contained things. So anyway, point is you'd get some people who would gripe about it, but at the end of the day, it wouldn't bother me at all. if Mutants were just there, but at the same time, I don't think mutants should be in the MCU at all. I think that the X-Men universe and mutant universe is like a separate concept entirely that was always fun in the comics when they overlap. But to me, that was always like, this is, well, it's like a, what if story? What if X-Men, what if Spider-Man was with the X-Men, but it's not like an actual thing for me, you know? Yeah, no, I'm really interested to see how it plays out. I'm glad that they just kind of announced it. I also kind of like that it's like, we're not developing an X-Men movie. We're trying to figure out how they're going to fit, which to me implies it's a ways down the road. Fantastic Four, though, we've got actual concrete plans for that, so look forward to that. Uh, Before we we, uh, finish out, I want to say that um, I am... What's the word? It's mealy-mouth bullshit, I guess, but... uh, I tried my best with some of these topics that I really have no business talking about, but if I came off as, well, anything particularly asshole-ish, I'm sorry. I apologize. You're probably right. So there, I just want to put that out there. All right. So this has been another interesting Comic-Con. I mean, I would have liked more footage from the Marvel panel, but a lot to get through. A lot of this stuff is in early development. I have a question um, for you, Eric. What single thing did we talk about is the most exciting for you? Ah, that is a toss-up between the return of the Mandarin and the possibilities of what Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness is going to look like. For me, it is a toss-up between the Jay and Silent Bob reboot and the Steven Universe movie. My point is that Marvel stuff's fine, but the stuff that most excited me had nothing to do with it. Yeah, no, I don't know. I think most of this is just kind of overwhelmed by the, ah, oh, cool, the Mandarin. Ah, oh, cool, Eldritch Horror. Ah, oh, cool, Moon Knight. By the way, I'm not going to be one of those, um, what's the word, uh, spiteful jackasses that's like, I hope the Mandarin sucks just because I want you to. No, I, 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 I'm bothered by what they're doing, but I hope it's good. I really hope it works out because, yeah, if you're going to do it this way, at least do it well. So. All right. Well, be sure to let us know what your biggest takeaway from Comic-Con was. Thank you for listening. We know this went on for a while. As always, we're going to do the spiel where we encourage you to like, share, subscribe, follow, rate, review, whatever it is that the platform you're listening to us on requires for us um, to go, oh, I guess these people are worth doing something with. And according to my notes here, we're currently on SoundCloud, Stitcher, and Google Play. I didn't know we were on Stitcher. How when did that happen? Last week. Okay. Point is, those are the three platforms we're currently on. We had to drop Podbean for the time being because of, you know, Patreon and stuff like that. But uh, those are our three platforms, whichever one you're watching us on. Thank you. Those are the ones that are available. I don't know which one's easiest for you, but if there's any other platform you want us to look into, then we can at least put it on our list of when we have the funds <laughs> and look into it. Let us know. So, as always, this has been Lord Commander Ulrich. And a shield brother, Axel Wright. Be sure to tune in next time, and as always, stay honorable.